You're listening to Marketing News Canada, Canada's number one show featuring the brightest minds in marketing, PR, and digital advertising. Hi, welcome to another episode of Marketing News Canada. Today, I'm excited to introduce our guest, Lauren Weinberg. Lauren is an experienced and goal-oriented marketing executive with 20 years of experience. She's an expert in finding insights and data and using them to drive strategic marketing plans that fuel revenue growth. Lauren is currently the Global Head of Marketing and Communications at Square, driving marketing communication strategy across five countries, which includes optimization of all channels, brand strategy, marketing investment, analytics, and marketing technology. Lauren is also on the board of the MMA and one of Adweek's executive mentors. Hi, Lauren. Thank you for joining us today. Hi, thank you so much for having me. So good to have you. So I think uh, I just wanted to start a little bit about your career progression and how you landed at Square. Yeah, so I actually started my career on the data and insight side of the house. So working in measurement and doing insights. And I would say prior to my first job, I had a background in journalism, which I studied in school. And so kind of that combination of data and storytelling. And then I would say throughout the years, as I was coming up in my career, marketing was becoming much more data-driven. And so at some point, there was just kind of this really interesting convergence of those areas of data and insights and marketing. And I made that leap over into marketing. And I would say that's where I've been ever since. So I think once I got onto the marketing side of the house, I realized, wow, this is both interesting, hard, fascinating, and something that I absolutely love doing. Absolutely. So you actually started a little bit more in growth acquisition for Square and then moved over to the marketing. And how would you say that transition developed? So I would say coming into Square, I always knew that I wanted to focus on marketing. And so, but I also loved Square. And I and the first role that I came in for was actually looking at growth strategy across marketing, sales, partnerships, and new country launches. And so it was great. I think there was a lot in that role that I knew really well. And there were some things that I was really excited to learn more about, especially on on the sales side. And, and one of the things that I did in that role was oversee like sales operations and sales quota and targets. And so I've always worked closely with sales, but never in that capacity. So that was really interesting. But I would mm-hmm. say that you know, still to this day, the majority of Square's customers come in through marketing. And so most of my time, even in that initial role, was spent really focused on on our marketing strategy and the way that we could evolve the strategy to help drive growth in the business. And so I was probably spending, you know, 85 to 90% of my time in marketing. Marketing was my passion coming in. And so it was a pretty quick transition into actually, like, I think the way we had it set up initially was like, I was overseeing marketing strategy and someone was doing execution where we just said, we should just combine those things. And then I started overseeing the US marketing team, which then became global after about a year. Then we folded in comms and creative. So it's been a really amazing journey. I've been at Square for four years and every year looks a little different than the year before. I bet. So tell me about what you were focused on two years ago and in the time leading up to the pandemic. And of course, 
with most of your clients and customers in, in small business. I'm sure that was an incredibly challenging time for you. And there was a lot of change that had to happen very quickly. What did that look like for you? Yeah. So that's definitely true. I think for us, like a lot of changes happened during the pandemic, but I'll say like two years ago, leading into the pandemic was actually a really pivotal and transitional year for marketing at Square. So it was the year that we were supposed to do our first global brand campaign. I would say up until that time, we had been proving our hypothesis on how we could leverage brand and awareness marketing strategies to really help accelerate the growth of the business. And going into 2020 was the year where we had a lot of buy-in from everyone in the company that that was the right path forward. So big year, 2020 was supposed to be a really big year for us, our first global brand campaign. And obviously, I mean, I think we were probably two weeks away from launch when when the world started to change, but not quite shut down. And so initially we said, let's just push this campaign out a little bit. We want to make sure if we're going to have this like big moment for Square and marketing that we do it at the right time. And it feels like this might not be the right time. Like we don't really know what's going to happen. And I would say, I mean, we were all there. Like things very quickly went from, you know, there's this virus in China to the whole world is shutting down. And so I think from that point on, we really went into, okay, this is really going to impact our customers and the small business community. And so I think the first thing we did was a like take down a lot of ads that we just felt like were incredibly tone deaf given what our customers were facing and then really turned our attention to what are the things that we're going to do as a company and as a brand to help our customers get through this time. And so we started to really turn our efforts into thinking about what were the A, the products that we should be accelerating to market so that they could really help customers. And what were other things that we could do as a company, as a brand to provide relief to our customers? So one of our first things that we did was take some of that money that we were going to use on our first big brand campaign and just reinvest it back into the business and refund our customers on their software fees for March and April, just as like a little something to say, we know right now is really hard for you. And we saw a lot of brands putting ads on TV, which is very expensive saying, Hey, we're all in this together. And I think for us, our philosophy has always been like show and don't tell. And we thought saying that we're there for our customers, but not doing anything for them doesn't feel right. Actually, we'd rather not say anything on TV, but just give this money back to our customers so that they have a little bit of actual relief. And then we went to focus on products and how do we start to make sure that small business owners everywhere understand the ways that they can take advantage of Square's platform to help them really navigate this tricky time. So that included like contactless payments, curbside pickup and delivery, really encouraging people to get their business online. And I think like, you know, now that not that we're completely on the other side of the pandemic, because obviously it's still really impacting people all over the world. But I think we've seen businesses that have weathered the storm well are the ones that were very quick to adapt and take advantage of some of those things. So then our strategy became about, okay, let's just make sure that everyone understands that these things are available to them. And then eventually we did launch our first brand campaign just a little later and a lot different than what we thought it would look like initially. And it was really around stories of resilience of our customers. And I think that came, like, I think for us, it was like relief, 
create awareness around tools and solutions that will help people adapt. And then I think it was kind of like, all right, this could be a while and this is really hard. And so we really wanted to create a sense of community and really like inspiration and just show small business owners, like there are a lot of people out there that are being successful, even more successful during this time. And so we did share some of their stories in our first sort of like a global brand campaign that went on TV. That's amazing. Yeah, it's interesting to see how different businesses adapted, some quickly, some not so quickly, and and the different solutions that they put together to support them. Did you have open communication with the small businesses and, and really listen to what they were asking for? And what did that look like? Yeah, that's a great question, actually. So we did a lot of research in 2020. I think early on, we we were talking to customers just to understand how they were feeling I think that we were starting to feel like, wow, this could be really hard for them. But in the beginning, a lot of our customers were not worried about COVID yet. And so Mm -hmm. we wanted to really like, I think, walk a very fine line of helping to get them prepared without being alarmist. And I would say throughout every stage of the pandemic and even reopening, we've been talking to our customers to understand what's top of mind for them. How are they feeling? And we really try to make sure that we our tone and our messaging really matches their sentiment and where they're at. So even though consumers everywhere are really excited to see the world starting to open up again. And we know businesses are too, but for them, it's like, they don't feel that they're out of the woods yet. I think that for them, like, it's still hard to find staff and to hire people. Like it's still a little scary because there's the Delta variant and it's kind of like this looming thing of like, are we going to kind of shut down again, potentially in other places? And that has been the case all throughout the world, Australia opened and it closed. And so I think we always want to make sure that our tone and our messaging really matches just the feelings and emotions that our customers are having so that we're kind of like speaking to them and really speaking, I think, to them in a tone in a way that's respectful and acknowledges where they're at. Yeah. And Square has experienced incredible growth in this past year as well as a result and businesses really leaning into what services you're offering. Would you say that Square has adapted the product in any way to react to some of the needs and how those customer needs were changing? Yes and no. I think that all the things that we rolled out in the last two years were the things that were always on our roadmap. I think the only thing that changed was the timeline for getting those products to market. And so Almost everything was on the roadmap to begin with. I think for Square, we've been really pushing into just omni-channel solutions, helping our customers and businesses sell all the places that their customers are. So managing orders online. And so that's been one of our core areas of focus for many years. And so we did sort of accelerate the timeline. I think early on, we we sort of kind of like reallocated resources to make sure that we could really fast track curbside pickup and delivery. We did roll out a couple of additional things. So for example, we also saw a trend in the beginning of the pandemic where people really wanted to support their local business communities. Yes. And so they were buying gift cards to really support the businesses that where their doors were closed because they wanted those businesses to be able to reopen when the world opened up again. And so we did create a customer-facing directory to make it easier for people to find businesses and buy those gift cards. We did some partnerships with Facebook just to make those directories a little bit more accessible and more discoverable for all of those businesses. So there were things that we did that we wouldn't have done 
probably without the pandemic, but from a product roadmap standpoint, everything that we did was already on our roadmap. And so I think we we're very fortunate in that way. And I think the way that we think about a lot of the changes that we saw last year is that we saw people pivot and move their business online mm-hmm. in a matter of weeks. And it actually just accelerated a cycle that we anticipated would have happened anyway. And so we we, uh, we had done some research where on average, it was taking businesses like three years to kind of really get on board with this idea. If they had a physical location of moving their business online and really getting that up and going. And then once the pandemic hit, we basically saw them doing it in three weeks, right? Yeah. And so I think there was just this massive acceleration of that trend of really moving online. And for a lot of businesses, it has completely changed the way that they operate. And their online businesses are so big and so successful that they now have like warehouse space and maybe fewer in-person locations to really help them with all of these additional revenue streams. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's amazing to see how how businesses have really embraced online. One of the examples that I remember during it was very early days in the pandemic and it was it was actually a local farm and they had a drive-through farm experience and when driving up they had a square payment on a hockey stick and that's how they were taking payments when people were driving up to the farm and I thought, "Wow, that's, you know, that's really Really great. Good for you for doing that. So I'm sure it was really interesting to see how different companies and different businesses have taken the technology and used it to their advantage. A hundred percent. I am so impressed with all of the businesses that are in Square's community. I think just the resilience of them and the innovation and their like willingness to pivot and adapt. I think it just inspires all of us inside the company. But that was one of the reasons why we did that brand campaign, just showing those stories, because there's a million examples of things like that, of how people were adapting and pivoting and just meeting customers where they were. So um, yes, I I do think that the business community is really quite resilient and innovative. At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place by working more efficiently, by using more sustainable practices, by developing better technologies. We keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, We're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. When I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. 
Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Mm-hmm. I'm sure it wasn't necessarily a straight line and there are some challenges that you had to overcome. Are there a few moments that stick out to you that were especially difficult? I think the beginning was really hard, to be honest, just because there's no playbook for what we all just went through. And so I think trying to think about the best way to lead Square's brand through this process and, you know, to I think there was so many communications, if you recall back to what it looked like in March of 2020, just people were getting bombarded with communications. And I think for us to really think through like what we were communicating to our customers, how often was tricky in the beginning and to really think about like making the decision to take our marketing funds and put them towards refunding our customers. So I would say that was really hard. We replanned our marketing spend Mm-hmm. probably at least five or six times in 2020, which is is a lot of work for everybody on the team. And so I think initially, you know, we pulled back spend. Then we saw like crazy acceleration. Then we, you know, we re-upped our spend. But I think we, at the same time, we really tried to stay true to what our initial strategy was. I think that's one of the things that is pretty interesting and remarkable is that mm-hmm. the tactics change, the timelines change, but by and large, the things that we were trying to do from a marketing strategy standpoint stayed the same. It was just a like kind of a very crazy time to operate. I think the other thing that was really hard last year was creative production. So everybody was on the ground. We couldn't really send people to go film and shoot new creative assets. But we also couldn't use any of our old assets because it didn't reflect the reality that people were seeing. And so that was really tricky in the beginning, even just figuring out like what tools and technology we would use to be able to do more like work from home production and editing. And so I would say I give a lot of credit to our creative team, both because we put them under like extremely intense timelines, because it felt like the world was changing every few minutes. And as a marketer, if you're trying to plan a campaign that is going to meet people in this moment, then you need to get that asset out in the moment. And that was hard to do, given all of the restrictions and hard to do, I would say anyway. So we moved so fast last year. We pivoted so many times. And I, I think like so many companies, like at the end of the year, people were really burned out. You know, yeah. I think there's balancing craziness at work with everything that was going on at home, with being stuck at home. And so I, I think that was probably the biggest struggle yeah. in 2020. I can definitely relate to that. We're used to working with, you know, three months lead time and that turned into three hours so many times and this constant redirection the entire time. It was, it was a lot for sure. Now looking into the future, what does 2021 and even 2022 look like for you? Yeah. So I would say, you know, we're always listening first to our customers and really trying to follow their lead. I think for us, we're very focused on helping our customers understand 
all of our solutions and how they work together. That's been one of our primary like marketing strategies. And I think the way that we've been going about doing that is to really connect with people on an emotional and a human level. Obviously, a lot of what we do is provide tools and services that serve a very specific function and and serve a need for business owners everywhere. But also we know that running a business is one of the most personal things that somebody can do. And so we really have been trying to kind of find the right balance between talking about tools and solutions, but really striking those like emotional and human connections to really demonstrate not just the functional benefits of our products and services, but what they will give back to our customers, which is like saving them time and effort by making everything easier for them. So that's been a big area of focus for us and continuing to really like spread the word and increase the awareness of all of the tools that we have. We're also always experimenting with new storytelling tactics for that exact reason. Like we really seek to have these human and emotional connections with business owners, we lean on them a lot and use their voices and storytelling to really show how Square helps them run their business, what it enables them to do in their personal life. We know that most people start a business because they're really passionate about something or it's something that's been handed down to them in their family. And so Mm -hmm. we, I think, really seek to kind of show like, We're making it easy for the things that you have to do when you run a business so that you can have more time for the things that you always love doing. Because one of the things that we hear from business owners all the time is, you know, maybe you got into business because you love baking and you opened a bakery, but then you spend so much time on your social media, on your payroll and all of these things that require you to run a business. And our goal is to really make those things as easy and seamless as possible. So people do have time for the things that they love and they have time for their family and things that they love doing outside of work. So we yeah. really are, are focusing on that and, and on the storytelling and and just testing new platforms. Obviously, 2020 was an explosive year for TikTok. And so we've been experimenting with channels like TikTok. And we've been thinking about how do we let influencers play a bigger role in our go-to-market strategy? Because we know that business owners are very influenced by other business owners. And so we want to create more opportunities for them to hear directly from other business owners. So those are just some of the things that we're looking at. But I would say our strategy has been pretty consistent, which I think is a good thing over the last few years, which is really, you know, connecting with business owners on a human level, helping them understand all the ways that we can help them start, run, grow and adapt their business. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. And it's interesting because I think Square is most widely known as a payment processor, but you actually offer many more products than just that. Yes, that is true. We have so many. I mean, we really have this full ecosystem of solutions. In the U.S. this week, we just launched some new banking capabilities, but we really offer our customers so much in our point of sale system, which is you know ordering online and how you sort of help receive all of those orders, even everything from, I mean, very specific vertical points of sales to restaurants, retail, inventory syncing, online and offline, shipping, fulfillment, marketing, gift cards, (laughs) payroll. I mean, it really is a full suite of solutions. And and that's been a big area of focus for us is helping people understand all of those things. Mm -hmm. And I would also say a lot of people equate us with 
you know, a company that really supports very small businesses. And I would say, you know, we actually support much bigger and more complex businesses. And we also have been trying to really demonstrate and show that even in terms of the brands that we showcase in our case studies, I mean, we're working with several huge stadiums and arenas. Mm-hmm. We've got great product market fit in that area as well. And so I think really helping everyone understand all the places and ways that Square can support larger businesses and also integrate with existing tools and platforms through all of our developer and API capabilities. Right. Yes, absolutely. And so how do you personally stay on top of the trends? In marketing? Mm-hmm. I'm a constant student of the trade, I would say. So I listen to a lot of podcasts. I love CMO moves. So I, I really enjoy just like hearing from other CMOs in the space. I'm part of several different like CMO communities, which has been really incredible. I would say, especially during the pandemic year, just being able to talk to other people and bounce ideas. And I think the entire landscape and all the privacy changes that we're all going through, nobody knows the answer for how we we solve some of these things that we're facing right now. And so it's nice to have that community. I read a lot too. I'm actually, I read a lot of books, but I'm also reading a book right now called Quantum Marketing, which was written by the, the CMO of MasterCard. It's really interesting. So I would say I am always trying to you know, be a part of industry organizations, participate in conversations with other CMOs and just read and hear and listen and and watch what other people are doing. So I'm a big fan of the industry and the work. And even within our team, we love to share like examples of ads or campaigns that have come out that we really love just to really celebrate great work that's happening in our industry. Absolutely. And as far as your team is concerned, how did that look throughout this past year, leading a team while also working with the small businesses, pivoting constantly? Yeah, I would say, honestly, I think our team weathered the transition from working in person to working remotely really well. We hired more people last year than we ever have in my time at Square. And so I'm actually in the office today And I met some people that I've been working with for a year for the first time last week, which is really incredible. I think we've evolved our onboarding process to make Mm -hmm. remote onboarding. Like we've, I think, improved probably just the entire onboarding process from thinking about it through that lens. And so I would say we're excited to see each other in person when we can. But I do think we've all sort of adapted really well to working from home and people have moved. I was a pandemic mover. I moved across the country. during the pandemic. And I think a lot of people moved. And so it's nice that people have the opportunity to work where they want to live and still get to do a job. And I think we've kind of all like now proven that we can do work from home. And so I'm excited for this hybrid phase and it's nice to see people, but it's also nice to be able to continue to work from home and and try to find that better work-life balance. Yeah. And put your head down when you need to and collaborate when that works as well. Yeah. Yeah. Running the global marketing, you have so many different markets. How do you meet the needs from a global capacity, but also from the individual markets? That's a great question. And I would say it's something that I think we continue to work on and improve on. So, and I think for us, that means really thinking about like, what's the right way that we operate. And I would say the way that we do this today is that we have some sort of top-down vision strategies, but the execution happens at the local level. And so, 
you know, we don't run the same campaigns in every market. We have created a global brand identity and a design system to make work easier and more scalable across all of those markets. But we really lean on our local teams and the expertise that they have of just being in that market, of understanding the cultural nuances of that market, of how we relate to businesses in that market. And I would say, so it's kind of this combination of, um, there's some things that come from the team in the US that's kind of more of like a tops down strategy. But then I would say we really balance that by having the execution occur at a local level. And when we do global campaigns, our like local teams are basically like in the process from the very beginning. So that last year was probably the first year that we did a lot of global campaigns. Hmm. And I think we're, we're still learning this year, like what works and what doesn't work because every country has very different needs. And I think one of the things that we've learned is that trying to fit everything into one shoot is really hard to do. And we'll probably move away from that next year where we say like strategy, design system, and then allow for more local execution so that everybody can have what they really need and and to be successful in their markets. Right. And are you seeing different trends happening in different waves when maybe you got a little bit of a heads up or of, of some kind of a trend that was happening in another market that you're able to then adapt a strategy? So it, it's been pretty consistent until COVID. So I think mm-hmm. COVID actually has been a time where like every country is in a very different place. So mm-hmm. Australia opened earlier and it was sort of like our Australian colleagues were back in the office and and we really started to see things like opening up from the business perspective and it changed our marketing strategy, but they now are like back in lockdown. And so I think for COVID, it's really kind of made it even more clear like how we need to be very sensitive to what's happening in every market. And I would say, like, by and large, we've seen really similar trends across markets. Like, we've seen businesses move online. We've seen a huge uptick in contactless payments. Consumers are not using cash as much as they used to. And so we're just seeing more credit card processing, more contactless payments. And those things were consistent and the same across all the markets that we're in. People like to purchase and make orders online on their phone. And that's true everywhere. And so we're just trying to make that as easy as possible in all the markets that we exist. Right. And how much of that data that you're collecting do you use to drive your marketing decisions? We use data a lot, but we also use intuition a lot. And so I think the hard thing about a pandemic is that there's no playbook. You don't know exactly what's going to happen. I think for Square, we rely on historical models to really help us predict what we're going to see, especially when it comes to marketing investment. And we did rely on those, but we, we couldn't even use a lot of our old models last year. And so we really had to lean on our intuition as marketers and say, we think this is the right path forward. This is the right thing for our customers. We think it's the right thing for the business. And we won't know actually until we kind of get further into it. And so we use data a lot, I would say, to say like, when we're thinking about investment strategy, if we're investing a lot more, is it working? Are we seeing that there's appetite for businesses to come into this ecosystem to adopt these products? And I, and I think we're just trying to be not too knee-jerk reaction to it because it does take time for us to see businesses come into the platform and really start to ramp and adopt our solutions. Mm-hmm. I think but we're always being mindful of making sure that we're not 
over-investing at a time where people are not very likely to be adopting new tools and solutions, but then in some cases, invest ahead of when we might actually see those businesses really starting to process revenue, knowing that they're going to take the time when things are shut down to kind of adopt new tools and technology. And then when they open again, you know, we're predicting that they will begin to process more of their businesses through our platforms. And so there's definitely a lot of data that we use and a lot of intuition. And so I always say that marketing is definitely the art and the science. And I think it's where we do a good job of balancing those things. Yeah, I like that. I like that using the intuition, but backing it up with data. I think that's really important. And especially with all the focus and the drive towards big data these days, I think that that's something that we all have to keep in mind is still trust your gut and and your intuition and you know your clients better than anybody else. Yeah. And I think you also know just from being in this like field, like from being in marketing for so many years that the data isn't always going to tell you everything that you need to. And so I think I'm definitely, even though my background is in data and analytics, I always say like, you can't just go by the data. I think a lot, especially when it comes to like using data to inform creative strategy, you're really like, because there's also what people say and then what people actually really do. And those aren't always the same. And so really like thinking about what people say they care about the most and then actually knowing what it is that they really care about the most that they're not going to put into their surveys. Yeah, absolutely. If you were just starting out, what kind of advice would you give to yourself? Well, that's a good question. I would say to trust my intuition and gut more. I think that's something that comes with time and experience. I think as I've gotten older and more experienced, I don't like sweat the small stuff as much anymore. And so that's something that I see a lot of people who are earlier in their careers, like getting very stressed about things that are either not controllables or just things that are just not that big of a deal. And so I would say like my older, wiser self has much better perspective and is calmer about sort of looking at all of these things. And I would say, I think that probably my younger self would have benefited greatly from a just, you know, I think I've made good choices throughout my career and I now feel more comfortable really like leaning on my intuition. That's harder to do when you have less years of experience under your belt. Um, And so I think probably those are the two things that I would say, like trusting my gut and, Mm -hmm. and kind of like letting things play out and Mm -hmm. seeing where they go before Mm -hmm. jumping to conclusions around what might happen. Right. Don't worry about something unless it's actually presented itself. Yeah. Well, and I think now I'm just so busy that I have no choice but to do that. And so <laughs> it's, yeah. but I think it's something that really is true. Like you can't worry about things that you can't control. And I see a lot of yeah. people spend a lot of time worrying about what if scenarios. And they always say like, and even with my kids, I'm like, that's just the biggest waste of time and energy. Mm-hmm. That's really great advice. Well, thank you, Lauren, so much for joining me today. It's really been a pleasure Mm -hmm. and hearing about Square and your career progression and all of the sound advice that you're able to provide. So thank you so much for joining me. Thank you so much for having me. It was really fun to talk to you today. Have a great rest of your day. Thank you. Thanks for listening to Marketing News Canada. For more episodes and other great stories from Canadian marketers, visit marketingnewscanada.com. All episodes are recorded in the Jelly Marketing Studio, thanks to our producer, Chris Penner, and editors, Travis Jeffers and The Podfather.
At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently. By using more sustainable practices. By developing better technologies. We keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. When I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com podcast. That's Indeed.com podcast. Terms and conditions apply. 